just before we start talking about our vision, I thought I'd have a look at this passage and see how it can inform uh, what um, I believe, I trust that the Lord wants us to do in our vision. So we read, um, Dee read from Acts chapter 8, uh, how the story, how the Ethiopian eunuch came to understand and believe the good news of Jesus. And in doing so, he received a brand new identity. Now, eunuch, of course, and this brings a tear to my eye to say it, but uh, is a castrated human male. And the, um, I always thought it was a punishment, but um, I looked up the Encyclopedia Britannica, and quite a few slaves willingly undertook castration to become a eunuch so that they could advance up the social order and, and achieve uh, very important positions. Uh, so eunuchs were um, often put in charge of the harems of princes um, and they exerted an uh, influential position over their royal masters and they eventually raised themselves to stations of great trust and power. Um, some became bodyguards, others confidential advisors, ministers, generals, and even admirable uh, admirals. In the beginning of the story of Acts, we see an Ethiopian uh, by race who chose to be castrated, and as a result, he attained a very powerful position in Ethiopian society. He's in charge of all the royal treasury. That's, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty important, isn't it? And yet here he is, if you, if you measure how far it is from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, it's over 4,000 k's according to Google, and that's if you cross the Red Sea. A huge distance to visit the temple of a foreign god. He's a very important person, he's, he's in charge of the royal treasury of Ethiopia, and yet he undertakes a journey of that magnitude. And it's got to be dangerous, right? I mean, you'd have a big target on your back if you're a guy like that. So he's probably got bodyguards. Why? Why would he do that? I think the decision to consent to being a eunuch came at a very high price, didn't it? He sacrificed the possibility of marriage, family, and descendants. That's a lot to give up. And, and he received what he was aiming for, um, a life of wealth and privilege. But having attained the life that he wanted, maybe he realised it didn't actually deliver what it promised. Sounds familiar? That's what we looked at last week, wasn't it? So chances are he was unfulfilled, he was lonely, spiritually hungry, and perhaps seeking some kind of meaning in his life. And somehow he had heard or read about the God of Israel and decided that he would seek out this God to find fulfilment. Now sadly, he would have been turned away at the temple because of his race and also because Deuteronomy 23.1 says, No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. He's travelled all that way to meet the God of Israel and he gets the big thanks but no thanks and now he's on his way home 
Imagine how deformed, unclean and forsaken he must have felt on the way home. Just put yourself in his position for a while. <clears throat> Perhaps he was thinking what a waste of time that was. And yet he was reading Isaiah 53 about someone who had gone through much more pain and suffering than he had, <clears throat> but not for his own advancement. His pain and suffering had been for the benefit of others. That This is what Isaiah 53 was describing. But like the eunuch, this man was a servant who had become unclean and looked down on by others. And the servant in Isaiah 53 had no wife or family either. No descendants. On top of this, the prophet said that he was like a lamb who had been slaughtered in humiliation, pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Who was this man that the eunuch identified so strongly with? And then Philip appears. And he says, hi, do you understand what you're reading? It was interesting, eh, that the Holy Spirit told him to run alongside the chariot. <clears throat> and I kind of think that we want to be like Philip. As we approach our future, uh, we want to be open to the Spirit. And it can't have been easy running alongside a chariot, right? But Philip did. So Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, no. What's it? Who's this about? It's Jesus. Let me tell you about him. And Jesus, God, came to us as a leper for the lepers, as a eunuch for the eunuch. He became unclean so that you could be eternally clean. He was cast out so that we could be brought in. He paid the penalty for our sins and he stood in our place. And perhaps... Philip said, he was a eunuch for you so that you never have to be a eunuch anymore in his sight. He became a sinner for you so you don't have to be a sinner anymore. He took upon himself our penalty so that we can now walk freedom, clothed in holy robes of perfection. That is his gift to us. And I hope, I think perhaps Philip did read Isaiah 56. <coughs> It says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. Imagine what that must have been like for that man to receive at that time. And as the Holy Spirit opened the eyes of his heart, he understood what Jesus had done for him. And the new life that was waiting for him and in that moment of baptism, he exchanged his old identity that sold him so short and he received his new identity as a child of God. He finally knew who he was and why he was alive, what his life was all about. So today we're going to talk about our vision for the, the next three years, the vision of Abide Church. And there are some important things that we can glean from the story as we consider where we're going as a church family, especially as, our, as we enter our new premises and the new community uh, that we are going to be entering. So the first is that we have good news to share. Forgiveness, restoration, peace, a new identity, and identity is a, a huge thing these days. We, we're bombarded with identity stories and how to get it, 
in Jesus, it is there for us and we, all we have to do is receive it. <clears throat> Intimacy with God, He will never leave or forsake us, is available for everyone in Jesus Christ. There's a place for each one of us in the temple of our God. And that's what Isaiah said to the eunuch. An everlasting name and a recognition of just how much we are worth to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. <clears throat> so that's the first thing we've got good news to share. The second is that the Holy Spirit is already at work in the community to which he is calling us to. Now, he was already at work in the, in the life of that eunuch, that Ethiopian eunuch. Our God is a missional God and we join him in the work that he's already doing. And that's encouraging for me because sometimes if we, you know, I've been reading through um, the vision and sometimes it's like, you know, how, how's that going to happen? And sometimes it's easy to think that we're, we're going out and we're doing this for God, but I don't, that's not the case at all. We're joining God in what he already wants to do. <clears throat> so he carries the burden of the, of the vision and the ministry and, and our job is to listen and, uh, and to obey just like Philip did <clears throat> the third is that as we reach out with the Holy Spirit in that community he will lead us to those whose hearts are soft towards him so this guy the Holy Spirit uh, had softened his heart and he was ready to receive Jesus and just as the Holy Spirit led Philip so we too can be led as we open ourselves to his voice and step out in faith and when you think about where we've come from, um, the Holy Spirit has led us to become a church in spite of some pretty large obstacles. And, and this has now led to a new venue in, in the heart of a new community, which we couldn't have foreseen <clears throat> when we first started. So we can confidently expect that there are people in that community that are waiting um, for the Lord um, to move in us and to, for the Lord to bring them to himself. And fourthly, we have no idea of the impact for the kingdom of God that we will have. Little did Philip know that the man who he ministered to would become the first evangelist <clears throat> in Ethiopia. And that 2,000 years later, the Ethiopian church has a membership of 36 million people. That's incredible, eh? Philip didn't know that at the time. He was just being obedient to the Lord. So now we turn to developing and communicating a vision. And I've been, develop, I've been a part of developing a vision <clears throat> many times over the last few years. And I have to admit, it's been a, a largely a fruitless and um, frustrating task. Uh, we usually sit down in a room with a whole bunch of people and we come up with some kind of words that everyone kind of identifies with and then we string them together in a short sentence and then we put it on a wall and then make it into a pretty document and then no one looks at it again. <laughs> and we just get on with doing what we've always done. <laughs> so kind of uh, frustrating and, yeah, it's just like, why? <clears throat> so, um, yeah, and then the other thing, there's all these different terms like mission statement and vision statement. What's the difference and... Sometimes you come up with something and someone says, well, that's a mission statement, not a vision statement. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, well, let's put it on the wall and get on with it. So I was very pleased when I came across a TED Talk by a guy called Cameron Herald. 
that says your vision statement sucks. That's the title of his talk. And <clears throat> I encourage you to have a look, just go to TED Talk, uh, Vivid Vision. Uh, and so it's in, in YouTube. And he said, short vision statements are unhelpful because they lack clarity because they're so brief. And as a result, people are often confused with the direction that the organisation is supposed to go in. Even if the vision statement, the short vision statement that's on the wall can describe some kind of future state, it can't describe <clears throat> the culture that goes with that um, future state. And so even if you do kind of achieve it, what you end up with, might, you might think that actually this is not what we wanted at all. So, so in terms of a church, you might end up with a massive church, but if it's lost community and the, and the sharing of lives together, you kind of think, well, you know, have we really, what have we really achieved here? <clears throat> so he said instead of a short vision statement, um, he suggested developing a vivid vision. And a vivid vision involves transporting ourselves and our imagination to a point three years <clears throat> into the future. And you sit and you allow your <clears throat> imagination to percolate and you describe what you see in a three to four page document. So that's quite a different process. <clears throat> and because it's a lot longer, there's a lot more detail and guts in it. Um, it's a much more solid picture <clears throat> of what we hope the future will be. And interestingly, <clears throat> Cameron Herald says that this is not just something that's restricted to organisations. You can have a personal vivid vision as well. So you would sit down <clears throat> in your life and you'd transport yourself three years into the future. What would you like your life to look like? <clears throat> and doing this in the presence of the Holy Spirit, of course, is, is very important. Otherwise, it's possibly just our ideas. And I, I trust that, that I have done that. <clears throat> Another very uh, important point that he made, which I found quite liberating, is that he said, <clears throat> don't worry about how it's going to happen at this stage. Like, we've got a few ideas how it might happen, but we're just going to suspend <clears throat> focusing on how it's going to happen at the moment. Oh, legend. Thanks to now. So we're just going to focus on what the future looks like and we trust that the Lord will enable us to develop the how later on. So what I'm about to share with you is the vivid vision for Abide Church in August 2023, three years time. <clears throat> As I said, I trust it's inspired by the Holy Spirit and I hope you'll get a clear picture of what Sarah and I see as our future as we have prayed and felt led by the Spirit. And also trust that you might be inspired to start thinking and praying about how the Lord <clears throat> would want us to achieve this. You might notice that much of the vivid vision talks about the type of people we are, not just what we achieve. I think this is God's heart for us. First and foremost, he wants us to know that we are his beloved sons and daughters. If we achieve something and we lose that, 
we've lost everything, right? So this is, <clears throat> it's far more important that we know who we are in him than what we achieve in his name. So being comes before doing. <clears throat> okay, you ready? It's August 2023, and Abide Church has grown to 150 members across all ages, from newborns to seniors. Our Sunday school is 30 children, and our youth group 20. God is moving powerfully in our midst, and his presence is tangible in our gatherings, because as a church, we consciously build our lives on the truth that we, as the people of God, are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. To consciously build our lives means we take this truth as a fact regardless of how we feel. <clears throat> the result of this foundational belief is that the members of our fellowship are continually focused on seeking intimacy with the Lord and a greater expression of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And you recognise a lot of that from Acts, our Acts study, right? <clears throat> we know that where he is, there will be life, health, growth and fruitfulness. Our church members love to be in the presence of God and to receive the daily and, if necessarily, necessary hourly spiritual food and strength from him. <clears throat> we recognise that the Holy Spirit is the source of every good thing in life, and so our top priority is to seek more of his presence in our lives, both continually and collectively. <clears throat> what characterises the essence of our church is that we prize knowing Christ above everything else in life. This includes our relationship status, our wealth, our reputation, what others, others think of us, even our families. We seek to make Jesus the treasure of our hearts. We know that he is the cornerstone. <clears throat> and when he takes his rightful place in our lives, everything else will not only be in its rightful place, but we will be able to enjoy them for what they are, good gifts from a good God instead of allowing them to define who we are. We view every experience in life, whether positive or negative, as an opportunity to embrace Jesus more fully and to embrace a greater measure of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> because the Holy Spirit has given such freedom in our fellowship, the gifts of the Spirit are being used and words of knowledge are commonplace. Physical healings are beginning to be experienced and emotional and spiritual healings are regularly celebrated. <clears throat> However, we also accept that sometimes the answer to a prayer can be no. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. In such situations, we admit we are not God. We submit to his will as our Lord Jesus did. We seek to bear one another's burdens and uphold each other in prayer as well as in other practical ways. <clears throat> as a church we are conscious that it is very easy to fall from humbly living in the grace of God back to legalism striving to have other people think well of us trying to receive acclaim through our own performance and abilities and to accumulate possessions simply to make ourselves feel better because we have more than they do we recognise these traits as manifestations of pride <clears throat> C.S. Lewis called the deadliest of all sins. Because of this, and as part of our spiritual discipline, we seek to live authentically in the presence of the Lord, asking <clears throat> and allowing him to search our hearts in order to identify and remove any desire or belief 
that seeks to try and add anything to Jesus' finished work. As if what Jesus did on the cross was insufficient or lacking for us. We are not afraid to confront discrepancies between what we think we believe and what we do. And we actively seek God's revelation as to why these discrepancies exist so that uh, he can remove them from our lives. We are accountable to each other in this process too. We are not afraid to invite helpful and loving feedback from our church family. So (laughs) we're inviting other people to keep us accountable so that we are all moving towards this state of having Jesus as the treasure of our hearts. As a result of keeping our hearts before the Lord and living out of his resources and not our own, others, including those closest to us, notice deep, continuing transformation over time. They can see us becoming less anxious, less defensive, less cynical, less angry, less judgmental, less bitter, less lustful, and less greedy. And they can see us becoming more loving, more hopeful, more patient, more kind, more joyful, more peaceful, more humble, and more self-control. And I think it's one of the the great tragedies uh, in life if we see Christians that are just the same. They They don't seem to change. And I don't think that's God's will for us. So that's going to be <clears throat> you know, that'll take <clears throat> stepping out. <clears throat> we evangelic evangelical and seek to actively reach out to those that don't know that they too can enjoy a deep spiritual intimacy with God through Jesus Christ, which is the meaning of life itself. About a quarter of our fellowship have come from unchurched backgrounds, and our mission initiatives are beginning to impact our community significantly, especially our partnership with CAP. We cooperate with other churches that are close by and seek their good as well. We make it a practice never to speak badly of other churches, even though we may profoundly disagree with what they believe. Instead, we try to find something positive we can speak well on. Our church members are welcoming of new people and want to be their friends during the week, not just on Sundays. Our outreaches include CAP Money, CAP Debt Centre, school holiday programmes and other initiatives that seek to meet genuine needs in our community, which then provide us with opportunities to witness to God's love under the the leading of the Holy Spirit. So there's a few, you can see I'm putting in a few ideas about how we might um, go about achieving this. Um, but essentially it's, it's open to all of us to um, pick up and run with. <clears throat> we are known for our graciousness and our dealing with those who come to, along to abide who are not living a lifestyle in keeping with scripture, but are nevertheless seeking God. And we are also known for our firmness and our dealings with those of our fellowship who say that they are following Jesus but the way they live their lives indicate that Jesus is not the treasure of their hearts. So it's all about the trajectory of a person's life. Are they going, if they're going towards God, um, <clears throat> for example, I heard um, one um, particular uh, pastor in the States who uh, had 
a woman living in a relationship that was not um, condoned by scripture, shall we say. <coughs> and they allowed her three years, <coughs> which of which they she, she asked questions, she sought, and finally she made a commitment to the Lord, and then she voluntarily, of her own, her own volition, um, ended the relationship that she was in and um, followed Jesus. So three years, three years of allowing grace for someone who was moving towards the Lord. Okay, so I hope that explains it. <coughs> we are big on caring for one another and that is why we developed a pastoral care model called LINK. LINK is a voluntary program that Abide Church runs where the ministry of pastoral care is one the whole church participates in rather than being the responsibility of a small number of people in the church. Each member of our church cares for two others while at the same time being cared for another church member. The goal is to develop a close and trustworthy friendship over a long period of time, keeping in contact with each other at least once a week, taking time to get to know the other person well, their joys and sorrows, and they notice when they are not at church or small group. If I had a dollar for all the, all the times that I, I heard people say, oh, I was going along to that church, and then I left, and six months later, someone contacted me and said, oh, I haven't noticed, we just noticed you're not at church. You know, it took them six months to realise that someone wasn't there. <coughs> so I'd, I'd really like to avoid that. <laughs> if either person starts to struggle in any way, spiritually, emotionally, financially, they're able, with the person's permission, to communicate their needs to others and seek to support them in their needs. Now, I recognise that sometimes needs of people become too great for um, us to carry, or other people to carry. <clears throat> so if, they, if those needs become too great for them to cope with, they can refer them to others either within or outside the church fellowship. <clears throat> as I said before, often as a church grows, individuals get lost in the crowd. But Link allows our church to grow while still maintaining close contact with individual church members, ensuring that they feel valued and cared for. As new members join the church, they are linked to an existing church member who they get on well with. <clears throat> and there'll be probably a whole lot of other um, conditions around that as well. <clears throat> in time, if they want to make abide their spiritual home and be part of Link, they in turn look for two more people to extend their circle of friends with and to care for pastorally. Abide church members are engaged intellectually with our faith and are confident to explain and defend it if asked. We can place ourselves in the story of Scripture and can articulate what Jesus has done for all of humanity, including ourselves. <clears throat> Our knowledge is not just intellectual, though. Instead, we live out this message by enjoying the wonderful benefits of Jesus' finished work in our own personal lives. In practice, this means we, are, we know that we are deeply loved and desired by God, and we have been made perfect forever in God's eyes. And Sarah grinned when she read this next part because she said, I was, I was looking for it. That is, all of our sins, our past, present and future sins, have been forgiven through our acceptance of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And that's Hebrews 10, 14. 
<clears throat> Therefore, we can live intimately and authentically with God. We know that the primary evidence of God's love for us is the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, not what the circumstances of our lives might be. And that took me many years to understand. It's, <clears throat> it's easy to say, you know, Jesus loves me. But when you're going through a hard time, it's easy to say, oh no, God can't love me. I must have disappointed God or something. I must, I must be being punished by God. <clears throat> but Jesus received all the punishment that we, we deserved. And so God will never punish us for what Jesus has already taken. <clears throat> as a result of our authentic relationship with God, we are known in our community as being trustworthy, caring, <clears throat> and courageous people who seek to bless help and encourage others regardless of what beliefs they hold. In fact, we are known for our graciousness, seeking the good of those who consider themselves our enemies. That's not going to be easy. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of... Uh, well, essentially that's Jesus teaching about turning the other cheek and doing good to those who hate you. <clears throat> I think we're going to encounter a lot of that in the future. <clears throat> we know that the currency of the kingdom of God is grace and we know how much grace we have received and how much we continue to receive and therefore we can offer grace which is unmerited favour, undeserved favour to others again, that's so easy to say but when someone cuts you off in the traffic that's so easy to, you know it's just, <laughs> it's just a simple thing like that very easy to say <clears throat> However, we do not jeopardise our own spiritual, emotional or physical health for the sake of the success of our ministries. In practice, this means we are prepared to close the ministry down if evidence of burnout begins to emerge in the leadership of that ministry and the Lord has not brought anyone else to step up to lead it. So again, I've heard many times before where people have been kind of chewed up and spat out of a, of a church and I, I do not want that to happen. <clears throat> we continue to value the Holy Scriptures and place ourselves under the authority. We do not accept any narrative that devalues Scripture to be on the same level as other sources of theology, namely tradition, culture and reason. That's going to be very unpopular in these days as well. <clears throat> we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal his truth to us through the Scriptures and challenge each other if we think they are stretching the meaning of a particular passage to make it say what we want to say rather than what it's actually saying. So feel free to do that with me too. <laughs> if I preach or something, if I say something and you think, uh, come on mate, that's stretching that one a bit far, then tell me, feel free to tell me. <clears throat> Where scripture does not appear to be definitive about a particular subject, we are comfortable in allowing each other to hold different points of view. And as an example of that, um, I'm thinking of first chapter of Genesis. There's many fine Christians that <clears throat> believe in literal 24-hour periods of, you know, periods of time for creation. There are those in the intelligent design kind of community, uh, and guys like Francis Collins who headed up the Human Genome Project. He believes that God used evolution to make the world. So you've got a whole lot of really amazingly smart Christian people who hold differing points of view. 
We continue to value community and make hospitality and sharing over food together our priority. And that was a, a great um, guess he's coming to the dinner we just had. We actively seek to live in connection with each other and care for each other through the joys and the sorrows of life. And we encourage community mindedness in our church through small groups. <clears throat> we have been affiliated with the Church of Confessing Anglicans Aotearoa in New Zealand for over two years and we have two ordained ministers leading the church. We also have two more people preparing for ordination. We have worked with CCAANZ and other denominations to develop a discipleship course for new believers and through LINK we also buddied them up with mentors to help in this process. <clears throat> so I'm not necessarily thinking that LINK will be mentoring. Um, I said uh, first and foremost is friendship but it can be mentoring I think. <clears throat> We have made use of technology in the form of a church app, which is the primary means of communication within our church. We encourage the use of Zoom, home groups and Bible studies to minimise the impact of midweek gatherings on already busy people, especially those who live out of town. We have also invested in technology for our music team and have supported and encouraged them as they have begun writing worship songs for the church. That'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> <coughs> Our church family members love the deep, authentic community within the church and appreciate that the, con that the consistent message from the leadership is that our relationship with Christ is the most important thing in life. Everyone seems to be on the same journey together towards that goal, no matter what the circumstances of their lives may be. The teaching ministry is also valued because scripture is upheld with reverence and difficult subjects are handled thoughtfully and helpfully. Most importantly, the grace of God is taught and explained in ways that can be practically applied. Our music ministry is also a great blessing to us, and we have two excellent teams that lead on alternative Sundays. Our church events are well organised and contribute hugely to the sense of community that we all value. Finally, we have started developing a vivid vision for the next three years to take us up to 2026. We are actively asking God to plant his dreams for us in us and allow his Holy Spirit to give us the boldness and the means to bring them to fruition. So that's it. <clears throat> that's the vivid vision <laughs> for Abide Church 2023. Um, if you have any comments, um, feel free to, to get in touch and let us know. Uh, if there's any significant things that you feel um, we've missed, we'd appreciate that as well. If anything uh, makes you feel uncomfortable or there's a, like a little something in your spirit going, uh, not sure that it might <clears throat> really grab that, then feed that back as well. But otherwise, um, the next step will be to kind of form that, uh, format that into a nice, lovely document, either looking at Rosie or Mickey. <laughs> oh, sorry, Rosie. <laughs> and then we'll get that out to... To everyone and, and that, that will be what we're aiming for. <clears throat> so if we could achieve that by 2023 I'd be stoked. I'd be delighted. So again just want to remind you all that we're not looking to achieve this vision on behalf of the Lord. We're looking for him to achieve it through us. So we're not, I don't, I don't want us to get all stressed out about it supposed to be exciting, inspirational, we, we all know where we want to head, 
and we're looking for God to make it happen. What's that scripture for? It's God who moves and works <clears throat> through us. So, there we go. I hope you can... Uh, uh, what's it? What's it? Ruminate. That's the word. Ruminate on that, and uh, let me know what you think. <clears throat> so let's pray and commit this to the Lord. <clears throat> Lord God, we lift to you this vivid vision. Holy Spirit, would you take what is yet to be? and make it a reality. Through your power, Lord. Not through us striving and, and burning ourselves out, Lord, but through us letting you move in power through us. Lord, most of all, I pray that each member of Abide Church will know that they are beloved in you. As a son or a daughter, a beloved child of God. Lord, may that be our first and most important source of identity. And I pray, Lord, that you would cause us to live that out, work that out in our own lives. So, Lord, thank you for who you are, for your love for each one of us, for your love for many sheep that have got lost, have gone astray through many, many different reasons. Lord, we ask that you would lead us to those whose hearts are soft towards you, who you are, have already been speaking to, you have already been working on, Lord. We ask that you would lead us to them as we reach out in your name. In your precious name,